You are listening to the GTT podcast from the Canadian Council of the Blind. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast of session 14 of the Unseen Touch Screen course. Our presenter today, as usual, is Michael Fair. And today we're going to be dealing with the voice control feature. Just an update that this is in support of Michael's wonderful ebook entitled Getting the Most from iOS as a Totally Blind User. If you want more information on the book or how to get the book, we encourage you to pop over to the GTT program uh, dot blog. All of the contact information for Michael and information about the book is available there. And without further delay, we'll hand things off to Michael. Michael. Alrighty. Well, uh, today... Uh, we're at a bit of an interesting place uh, right at the end of the year, and today's lecture is going to be about voice control. Uh, this is kind of the last lecture that deals directly with controlling your iPhone, uh, and uh, in the new year, we'll be looking at notifications and focus, and then moving on to more fun things like music uh, and various other things that you can enjoy now that you have, will at that point have learned how to manage your iPhone uh, to get the most out of it. So voice control is one of these services that causes some confusion, I find, with people. Uh, it, it's different than voiceover. Voiceover is a screen reader and an interactivity thing. So it makes it possible, it reads what's on the screen and makes it possible for you to interact with that screen as a blind person. Voice control is different. It's a totally different thing. Voice control is allowing people to use their voice in place of their hands to control the, the screen. So you can basically do things that you'd normally touch the screen to do uh, with your voice. Now, unfortunately, for it's not really designed for blind people. It's designed for sighted people who have difficulties, either tre hand tremor or uh, paralysis. You know, if you're totally paralyzed, uh, you can't control the screen as much so this would let you use your voice uh, to do different things. Um, there are some problems for blind people who try to use it. Uh, we'll go over those uh, as, as we go through this. Um, basically, one of the things I would say is that it really, for blind people, unless you have you know, a severe disability, learn how to use the touch screen. It's so much more efficient to use the gestures or keyboard commands than doing voice control for a lot of things. For simple things, voice control can be very efficient, but for like writing a document, things like that, uh, there are problems and we'll kind of go over some of those so you can at least know what you're getting into if you uh, decide to to make use of this. So the, it's designed, it was, like I say, designed primarily for sighted people and it was only Later in the design process, when they they uh, after they announced it uh, at the uh, uh, the event uh, that they it was in 2013 and they, it was a big part of their keynote and got lots of attention uh, that this fellow demonstrated being able to dictate text and edit text and make changes and use apps all with his voice and it it just amazed the crowd. And uh, blind people, of course, immediately were very interested in this because a lot of people do have touchscreen control issues. They, they find the touchscreen a bit of an alien interface. And uh, unfortunately, what happens is 
uh, voice commands were inputted, but late. So when you uh, use voiceover, it changes the different commands like swipes and taps and, and what they do. So uh, they had to add the special voiceover commands in and uh, they're there now, but you'd have to say voiceover, swipe, right, voiceover, do this, right? It's clunky. Uh, it's not as natural. So you can modify, you can make new commands. Uh, that's one way around it. You do have to wear a headset of some kind. You have to wear uh, either earbuds, Air AirPods, uh, so that only your voice is heard. Because if it hears voiceover, uh, and you still need voiceover to read back what's on the screen to you, uh, you know, it will get confused. And then you'll have that input from what it's saying uh, being added to whatever you're doing. So uh, it can get quite uh, messy. Uh, so, you know, it, it can't distinguish between voices. So that's one thing to really keep in mind uh, is, is wear a headset of some kind so that you are the only one who hears voiceover and it doesn't go back into the microphone and be, acted on potentially uh, as commands. Okay, so when you uh, use voiceover as a sighted person, you're seeing things on the screen that has a, a lay, um, overlay and you can sort of say, uh, uh, act on uh, A4 or different grid references or different uh, numbers or names. And that a sighted person can glance at that uh, at this overlay, and that helps you di dictate commands and you know efficiently command uh, the, the the feature to do what you need it to do. But for blind people, we can't skim. You know, we can't glance and take things in, in at a glance. We have to hear everything. So, you know, it, one of the overlay options is numbers, and it can give numbers to each element on the screen. And you can say, okay, you know, push uh, uh, tap on twenty four or something like that to activate or, or you know, indicate what you want uh, acted on. And that's great, but for us, we have to wait until we hear all the options, unless we happen to know the name of what we want. And then we can say, click on this or uh, something like that uh, to speed up the process. But it's it's very clunky. It's like those uh, the voice uh, menus on the phone calls, you know, when you call into the bank or something and you have, press one to do this, press two to do that. Well, we have to wait to hear what our options are before speaking, right? Before telling, I want to do this, right? Or whatever it is. We have to wait at least long enough to hear the option we want. So uh, it's that's one way that it's just quicker for sighted people who can take everything in at a glance and just say, uh, highlight A4 or select text from A4 to A6, you know, copy, things like that, that we can't, really do effectively without seeing uh, or without waiting um, for a long period. Now they have added a bit more instructions. There is a guide for beginners that takes you through the basics and that is accessible. You can go through the guide. It's in uh, the, where you go to manage voiceover, uh, voice control, sorry, is in settings. So you go settings, accessibility, voice control. And uh, in there, you can do a lot of stuff. You can add new words if you need to. Uh, you can add gestures. You can make it do different gestures uh, that you need done. Uh, that's hard because it's, I've never been able to add a, a new sort of gesture command successfully because you add the command and then it, there's a touch screen uh, area where you have to draw 
uh, whatever, like make whatever gesture you want done. And then you have to find the save button, uh, which is up top near the uh, uh, barrier where if you touch too far up, you get that capture that lets you then go home or to the control center or things like that. So as a voiceover user, it's very hard to save the gesture you've just made. And therefore it's hard to sort of add new gestures uh, to what's there. Uh, I would recommend that anyone who's interested in using voice control seriously, uh, you know, take in what's out there. There's uh, some introductory uh, podcasts and guides on applevis.com. Uh, that's A-P-P-L-E, V as in Victor, I-S.com. So viz as in vision, applevis.com. Uh, go there and look for uh, voice control. There's some discussion about it in the forums from people who've made use of it. There are uh, podcasts about it uh, that will illustrate things audibly and you can hear how it works. And that will help everyone uh, wanting to make some use of it. Uh, you can do things like call out, you know, uh, next song, previous song, like simple things like that. It's really good for you can be in your app and just give commands and have it acted upon. Uh, so that's that's can be quite a power trip. It's great. Uh but it can also pick up extra things. Like if you have other people talking in the same room, uh, things like that can interfere. Uh, there are two basic modes to this. There's there's the dictate uh, dictation mode that lets you edit, add text and things and edit uh, for uh, documents, things like that. And uh, so that's, that's the if you're, if you're in an edit field and you're adding text, that's what you should, in, you should get into that mode. And then it will understand commands, editing commands, and things like that. Uh, you know, select so past three words, delete them. You know, think there are things like that you can say to get changes made to the text as you're dictating it. And uh, it's it's a lot more flexible than you'd find with the, with Siri and the regular uh, dictation system that they have uh, for for most people to use. Uh, so in that sense, it can be kind of helpful, but. For voiceover users, you always have to check and, and know the voiceover command. So it's like voiceover, swipe left, voiceover, swipe right, uh, voiceover, you know, double tap or select, things like that. It's uh, it's it's not intuitive or easy uh, to really use, I find. Now, one fellow I was talking to said that one thing you could do was change the names of of the, the commands and, get, and you come up with shorter commands, right? So as long as you remember what you do when you make such changes, then I suppose you could make it a bit more efficient, uh, but it's it's never gonna be as efficient as as the touchscreen, I don't think, uh, or keyboard commands. If, if you are so persuaded to do it that way, a lot of people will memorize uh, the voiceover commands and, and do that. Um, so the, the other mode, there's dictation mode, and that's for documents and editing and writing. And then there's command mode. And that's where you, you are taking control of your device. So it's uh, focused on sort of understanding your orders and doing things like next song, uh, open notes, so you can open apps, you can lock screen, that kind of command, the system control commands like that you'd normally do with gestures. It's it's less prone to being triggered by uh, other general conversation and stuff because it's it's listening for keywords. It's only going to act on 
key phrases and words that it interprets as commands. So it, it is a lot less chance. Of, like if you were in dictation mode and someone else started talking about not being able to do go to sleep the night before or something like that, uh, you, you'd find that some of that might be entered as text in your document, right? So things like that could happen. Whereas if you were in command mode, uh, it wouldn't sort of be that prone to mess up a document or things like that. You can also tell it to go to sleep when you don't want it to listen. So you could tell it to that and then have a conversation and then say, wake up when you want it to listen again. So there's that. Uh, so there's, uh, there's a bunch of commands and in the settings for voiceover, if you go uh, settings to voice control, uh, if you go in there, you can go through and, and check out all the different commands. There's a command section and you can read, you know, see what each command does and things like that by, uh, by reading through, uh, so there's, uh, but just remember, it's it's it can't distinguish between your voice and other people's voices. So just be careful when you're you're using this. Uh, just be aware that even in command mode, there's still some you know uh, room for that kind of error to happen. Um, so think about that. Uh, maybe make it not listen when you're having when there's other conversation happening. Uh, things like that, and then just tell it to wake up when you are ready to continue, uh, you know, uh, doing things. So every, all the controls, there's no separate app uh, for this at all. It, it, you go into the settings, accessibility, voice control, and basically everything is in there. The guide that it has is in there. Uh, there are hints. It, you can have it offer hints similar to what the voiceover hints are. So as you're going around and doing things, uh, learning how to use, getting used to voice control, it will offer contextual hints and suggestions as you go along. So uh, for beginners, I would recommend that. VoiceOver will read out those hints. So that could be uh, could be helpful. Uh, and uh, in uh, you can add vocabulary. So uh, you can you can teach it the meanings of of new words uh, and uh, things like that. Uh, I haven't really done that. Uh, that's something that uh, I I live in an apartment with another blind woman who's my wife, and uh, so it's it's not an environment conducive to heavy use of something that you're always talking when there's more efficient ways to to approach this, right? So we're both always doing things that we're on our iPhones and things. So I I tend to not use voice control. Uh, I wouldn't even if I were alone because it's just it's less efficient for me than the uh, you know the screen uh, gestures and things, but you know if someone chopped off my hands or something like that, then I'd be very thankful that it's there. So I, I never begrudge these things. The other thing uh, for voiceover users to know is all the effort going into labeling apps properly, labeling the buttons, the elements of apps. It's the same. Uh, thing that developers have to do to get it to work well with voice controls. So all of a sudden, there's even more good reason for developers to put in the effort to label their buttons, label their controls properly, and more people will then be able to use their apps. So I think we've already benefited from the appearance of voice control through that. Even if we've never used the feature, it has made it more attractive to developers to put in the work to label their apps properly so that accessibility tools can make use of those labels and allows everyone to uh, to be able to 
take uh, take advantage of of more apps that formerly they they just couldn't before. Uh, so that's uh, that's something that that I think is is has benefited all of us already uh, with in, in many different apps. Uh, so in in dictation mode, uh, e editing is a bit harder for blind people. And I say that because if you're sighted, uh, you can observe, you know, the output, right? As you're speaking, it's appearing, literally appearing on the screen in front of you. So as you're dictating, you will see when things get misunderstood because it, you got to understand these things. It doesn't understand English really. You know, if I knew the word for cup of coffee in some other language and I said that, you might eventually be able to learn that I'm referring to a cup of coffee, uh, even if someone else said that word, uh, you know, through time and exposure and experience, you'd see them drinking cups of coffee when that word was used. And eventually you go, ah, okay, that's a cup of coffee in that language. But it's, you know, voice, uh, the voice control system doesn't understand English. It just is programmed to do certain things. So it's not context aware. So, uh, you know, if if you say uh, something like a command word, like go to sleep, when you're writing in a, a perfectly natural turn of phrase, you know, you might end up shutting down voice control because it thinks you want it to go to sleep and stop listening to you, right? So things like that will happen. And then there are mistakes. Uh, you know, when you're going along and saying, I'm going two places north, it might uh, use the wrong two. There are three different twos. Two as in T-O, two as in T-W-O, and two as in me too, T-O-O. And all of them have different meanings, but they sound identical. So what do you do with a homonym, right? And it, you know, it can uh, do mistakes there. And the sighted person will see that instantly and go delete that last word and then correct it and spell it as two, spelled T-O-O, right? And correct make sure it gets the right one. Whereas if you're using voiceover to proofread this and you don't go character by character, you're not even gonna know a mistake is made because it sounds identical. Uh, and so that's one of the pitfalls of dictation editing. Another is uh, interpreting wrongly, uh, command, right? If you, uh, it might get as palm and, right? Depending on how you pronounce it. Um, and uh, so things like that, like complete misses can happen. And again, a sighted person will see that calm and if it mistook command for calm and, and go, oh, and, to, and delete that and then fix it, right? They could do that instantly. Whereas we have to wait till we hear uh, whatever is output. And when you're dictating, you're not hearing text read back to you until you stop dictating and start editing and looking at it, right? Because you need voiceover to read over it. You need to maneuver the cursor, uh, voiceover cursor to get it to do that. So uh, it's it's not as efficient for things like that. Uh, same with the overlays, you know, set, like I was saying earlier, so that people, people can see A6, A7 and, and get the coordinates and just go highlight from A7 to A12. You know, we won't be able to do that because, you know, it, it takes time. We'd have to wait for it to read out the whole overlay before we could make use of it in that way. So you, you've just wasted like a couple of minutes hearing that read out before you, you do something which should take just a few seconds. Uh, 
for most people using the system. So that's that's the kind of barrier that as blind people using voiceover, we're going to run into if we try to use voice control with voiceover. It's possible, uh, but not always all that practical. So that's that's kind of where it's at right now. Uh, and, uh, you know, for, for me, it would be a massive productivity hit. I would never do it unless I really was forced, forced to. Uh, there are different overlays that you can use. So you can use numbers. So have each each element numbered. Uh, so you'd say, you know, press tap number 35 to do this, uh, things like that. Uh, if, on the other hand, if you're sighted, you could have uh, a grid of numbers or uh, in or an app names. So that's a, that's probably one of the more useful ones for us is uh, is that or coordinates. So you could just see the coordinates and call out the coordinate you needed. Uh, so th there are different systems that that overlays that that will appear sort of in front of the screen, and uh, you know uh, people can uh, sighted people can look at them and and make quick use out of them to you know indicate where they want action to be taken uh whereas that's a bit more problematic for us uh names and numbers are certainly useful for us but again you have to wait to hear what your options are unless you know uh the app name or the, and the name of the element you want acted on so you know uh that's that's the kind of thing that that uh, is is going to be uh to slow us down uh using the system uh, in, in terms of that. Uh, so, uh, that's, uh, we, yeah, it, it, it's, it's kind of, it's, you'd lose productivity, uh, massively. It'd be much more, I think, uh, useful to, for, for most of your stuff to memorize, you know, to make use of the keyboard, to make use of the touchscreen, uh, those two, a Bluetooth keyboard is a very good investment with things like this. But, you know, nothing says you can't do both. You can have voice control on and make use of it while using the keyboard and then just use voice control for, you know, the things you do in the background, saying like next song, previous song, uh, you know, different things like that. Lock screen, uh, go home uh, to get to the home page, things like that uh, very efficiently and quickly without taking your hands off the keyboard. So, you know, there are uses for it. Uh, it's just a question of how it fits into your skill, particular set of skills that you're bringing to whatever you're doing and the speed at which you need to do it and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, that's uh, basically with, uh, with this, uh, you know, it's, it's there. Uh, it's, it's another one of these accessibility features that actually got quite a lot of, of public attention when it was introduced and it stood the test of time. Uh, I think I haven't heard of any improvements added really to it, but I suspect there have been some behind the scenes. Uh, certainly the, uh, the guide, when it was added, they added a little bit of instructions that you can go through. It's a little tutorial that you go through it and you can try things out and sort of practice text fields and things and, and, and see, you know, how that goes and just go through the different steps. So, uh, you know, there's a lot to be said for, for that kind of detail. I wish voiceover had such a guide uh, to help beginners get used to it. Uh, I'm hoping some of this, the stuff they've learned with uh, the experience of introducing voice control will feed back into voiceover eventually. Uh, hope, hope. Uh, we'll see how that goes uh, over the next while. But it is 
you know, it, like a lot of these things, it, it's it's good to have options if if one mode really doesn't suit you. Like I'm coming at my thinking on this feature from a position of privilege. I have both my hands. They're steady. They can work well. I have 10 years of experience with, with the screen gestures that you have to learn. So I've gotten very efficient with that. And so for me, it would be a slowdown to use my voice. Uh, I can type about 90 words a minute. So, you know, and I can do that without fear of inaccuracies like the kind voice voice control might introduce to what I typed. So for me, it would be in normal circumstances, a big efficiency hit. But if you're coming at this, you know, from a space of having a disability that prevents you from steadily engaging with your touchscreen, cerebral palsy might be one, um, uh, different paralysis, uh, hand tremors, things like that. Voice, voice control might really save your, your bacon in a lot of ways. So I'm always very conscious of that. Uh, you know, depending on, on your unique needs, uh, it might really be the thing that, that, you know, makes your iPhone much more useful to you than, than might otherwise be the case. Now, one thing I don't know is whether it works with personal voice. I don't know why you'd ever want to do that because you have to sort of type using the, the new personal voice feature to get it to talk. So I guess there'd, there'd be no point in, uh, in, in using voice control with that. Um, but certainly it will work with voiceover as long as, as you uh, do wear a headset uh, so that the voiceover doesn't feed back into it. And it will work apparently with, with things like Zoom. So it, it is, they try to make sure that it integrates with the other accessibility features. Um, so, it, you know, if you have multiple disabilities, hopefully you can, uh, similar to, to people using voiceover and Zoom at the same time, you'd be able to do something similar. And, you, and I'm not talking the Zoom here, I'm talking about the Zoom in the set, set of accessibility tools in, in the accessibility settings. Um, so yeah, there's, uh, you know, the, that kind of, uh, having it all built by Apple uh, does really allow for a lot of cross uh, cross use of of effort in terms of developers only having to put in so much effort to make things more accessible um, and and just using more than one accessibility feature without worrying about too much in the way of 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 conflict uh, between them uh, you know as in in terms of that so yeah that is is essentially a, a very brief snapshot look at uh, voice control. Uh, so hopefully that will help people get started if, if that's the way they, they choose to control their iPhones. Uh, I, I haven't, as I say, I haven't used this feature extensively. Uh, it's not one I'm as, as expert in as others, but uh, I will certainly try to help if, uh, if anyone has any questions. Uh, thank you again for another very interesting and informative session. Uh, we'd like to uh, say goodbye now to our podcast listeners. If you um, are new to the podcast and would like to hear some of the previous sessions that Michael has done for us, they are available on the Canadian Council of the Blind podcast feed. And or if you'd like to join us live, our next session, which will be session number 15, will be on January the 3rd. 2024 and the information on how to join us live is available at gttprogram.blog and again we thank you for listening thank you for listening to the gtt podcast from the canadian council of the blind there are many ways to get in touch with us 
you can call us toll-free at 1-877-304-0968. You can follow our GTT blog at gttprogram.blog. If you'd like to subscribe to our email support list, you can send a blank email to gttsupport plus sign subscribe at groups.io. And you can follow the Canadian Council of the Blind on the web at ccbnational.net.